0: And what you try to do along the way is create value. When you reach out to these folks in a more or less cold manner, you want to make sure that what you're bringing them is of interest and you've done some homework and you're providing a reward for their attention. And so that gives you a chance to engage. And then once you do, you can transform that relationship. It can become a consultative relationship as opposed to a transactional moment. (laughs) Hi, and welcome to another episode.
1: I'm your host, Brian Maddox. With me today is Rick Robinson, PJX Media. Welcome, Rick. Hi, how are you, Brian? I am awesome. Thanks for asking. Um, if you could do our guests a favor and give us a little intro about uh, what you do, where you came from, and how you got there, that'd be great.
0: Well, that could be quite long, but I'll tell you my name is Rick Robinson. I'm CEO of PJX Media. We're an independent out of home agency. We work with independent agencies and challenger brands to bring their stories to life in the public space. Okay, so help me a little bit more uh, for the listeners here. When
1: you say bring it out in the public space, what do you really mean?
0: Well, it's in the form of out of home media. So, billboards, digital boards, buses, airports, malls, arenas, stadiums, anywhere you see messaging out in the public space.
1: Gotcha. So when it
0: comes to the advertising
1: um, and marketing of that service, um, how does that work? I mean, y- your average local guy probably isn't a buyer, your uh, small coffee shop or what have you. How does it work uh, to engage a service like yours
0: and how are you finding your client? So we work with other advertising agencies that represent a variety of brands on the local, regional and national level. We also work with brands directly with their marketing and media teams, and so they'll come to us with a brief that's about a specific plan, objective, promotion, an event, a moment in time, and then we go into the market and look at all the possibilities out there and curate that back to them as a recommended plan. We're the ones who find where it can happen and show them how to make it happen. So.
1: The you know, I guess for for most of us, the smaller business guys that are out there uh, reaching out to um, folks that are providing these outdoor, uh, I guess, advertising experiences. Buying and procuring that service seems um, messy and perhaps convoluted so explain if you would just a little bit uh, at a high level. How do you how do you even start with that? If I'm if I'm working with a local company um, as a marketer and I want to help begin that
0: advertising conversation, what does that look like and how does it work? Well, there's a couple ways to go about it. You can use an agency like ours that works with all of the suppliers. Oh, gotcha. Or you can go direct to individual suppliers, those who own the medium. You can usually see the names right on the billboards. Right. And then you so find out whether or not it's available. You make sure you get the production organized and you get it up on whether it's the printed panel or the screen. You, uh,
1: so you're so you in the middle of that doing the strategic sort of maneuvering and the project planning? Is that what I'm hearing?
0: Yeah. Our clients come to us for really two things. For expertise, because as you noted, it's a very fragmented, diverse supply side. Mm-hmm. And bandwidth the energy, time to organize all of it and make it happen. So how
1: do you engage new partners? What are you doing to find those advertisers, those marketing companies that are out there uh, that, that need your support?
0: It's a combination of attraction and promotion. So on, on the attraction side, it's you know doing great work for the clients we already have. Nurturing and creating opportunity for those clients. Right. So they stay with us. We can retain the business. And when they move to other agencies or brands, they're very likely to use us. So that's a very nurture, create, my referral side. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and that's key. That's really the core and the foundation. And then on the promotion side, we're very active on LinkedIn with thought leadership. With expressions of work we do, examples of work we do, uh, calling out where we've been recognized for award winning work and things like that. And then we have a new business team that's very aggressive with an email marketing formula and a lot of cold and slightly cold, barely warm outreach. (laughs) Right. Warmed over. (laughs) Yeah. So really, it's a mix of both. You know, we do a great job with the business we have, we take care of it, they tend to come Mm. back. And when they move around they're likely to refer us or come back and then we go out and develop and do demand creation both with email marketing and and linkedin
1: so you're in a situation where the service you provide would likely not be a viable solution for the marketing problems that you have Uh, is that a fair statement
0: yes that is very true it'd be very unlikely for us to invest in out-of-home media to Sell the services of PJX Media. So, so how do you reconcile that? I mean, in
1: in a lot of ways, that seems like um uh, a bizarre paradox for the business.
0: You know, honestly, I've never given it much thought or worried about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we we know where our at least we think we know where our customers lie, uh-huh. and we know how to get to them. The challenge is is just getting the audience. And so that takes a lot of energy and effort. You know, on the on the nurture side, taking care of the existing clients we already have, that's very much within our control. Right. And that can be very powerful. On the demand generation side, so far that's a very inefficient process. Right. I I refer to it as like fracking for oil. Um, we know the type of people we should be talking to. We we generally know how to get to them. We can find them on LinkedIn. We can find their email addresses. We can follow them on social media. But it takes a lot of effort. Mm. And repeated contact. And what you try to do along the way is create value. When you reach right. out to these folks in a more or less cold manner, you want to make sure that what you're bringing them is of interest, and you've done some homework, and you're providing um, a reward for their attention. And so that gives you a chance to engage. And then once you do, you can transform that relationship, right? It can it can become a consultative relationship as opposed to a transactional moment.
1: So you alluded to something that that um, is near and dear to my heart, and that's the uh, the mechanics of attention in a lot of ways you know providing a reward for that attention sounds like something you've given a fair amount of thought to what does it look like how does that work for you and your business
0: you know um, tell me more there I'm, I'm I'm very curious sure well what you want to understand is the problems they might be having on their side of the fence so if they're a growth marketer or a CMO, Media buyer, or somewhere in that spectrum of discipline, they're going to have certain concerns and issues. They're going to want to make sure their brand's getting heard. They're going to want to make sure their investment in any media pays off and has some sort of return on ad spend. They're going to want to be aware of opportunities in markets that make sense for them. And so we'll try to align with each of those concerns. You know, we'll we'll bring forward opportunistic moments. Hey, here's a giant wall on the Sunset Strip. This has your brand's name on it. Wanted you aware of it. Now, that may not be something they're interested right at the moment. But if you communicate it quickly and easily, make it painless for them to understand what you're bringing forward. Like, don't write a book. right? Yeah, yeah. Simple subject line, a photo, two or three sentences. Oh, great. I'm glad I'm aware of this. So now we've provided information that's valuable. It was easy to consume. May or may not be relevant exactly at that moment, but it could spark more conversation. Right. And then you dive into the other parts of your value proposition. Speak to the expertise we bring forward. You know, our agency just won some media plan of the year awards. We're making sure our prospects are aware of that because they want quality work. We also have several options for campaign measurement, you know, down to the KPIs. We're bringing those examples forward. Like, here's some campaigns we've done and how they've worked. Hmm. So, just trying to align our value proposition with their needs, at least what we suspect their needs are. Right.
1: So, I'm I'm so close. This is the the, the reward on that uh, that attention. Um, you know, you're talking about essentially the pain, the customer pain, right, or the prospect's pain and delivering solutions that match against that pain. But there's there's gotta be uh, more than that, right? Because um, like you said, in a lot of ways you can't track where they are, right? So you're not sure how severe the pain is when they see the value Stuff that you've brought into the marketplace, right? Right? Is there is there any other uh, any other sort of rewards on that attention um, that you're working with? And I'll give you an example, right? So, um, you, you know, we in the business we know about the curiosity gap, right? So, in some ways, there's a uh, the nature of the uh, creating questions that people have to have an answer to so the reward is literally that answer it doesn't really actually even necessarily have to do with anything specific to the business but you close that curiosity gap and that's how people kind of make these uh synaptic connections that's a that's a almost a pavlovian response the um the the other reward mechanics um, that are really interesting and, and highly effective, at least in, in my experience, are things that are, that are egocentric, right? So the media exposure in and of itself is a reward or the personal propping up of somebody. So I'm, I'm curious about the other ways that you're bringing, because I, I imagine it impacts the broader, you know, outdoor experiences or, or the out-of-home marketing experience as well. You've got to be essentially some, uh, an attention sort of uh, uh, artisan to try and manage getting the right attention at the right place at the right time. So I'm interested in learning more about some of the other reward structures maybe that you've put in place um, or the stuff you're using with your clients to to help
0: them capitalize on those. Well, it kind of lands in two different groups. You know, one of them is the uh, prospecting component. Right? You know, What are we promising that's just worth our time reward for paying attention to our outgoing message and that is where you try to lean into what you suspect their problems are right other reward scenario is for the campaigns that we work on for our brands and agencies where we're making sure what we place in the public realm is right place right time and a lot of that could be fed by data and a lot of audience information we have. So we know where people are in the market. We know how they move around. We can understand the when, how, why, what, and where uh, out of phone media and, and curate those placements appropriately in the public space. So, you know, there's, there's really two ways we work on creating reward. In the end, you know, we need to make our clients look like rockstars, right? You right. do help them get promoted ultimately. Right And uh, give them ways to demonstrate to their client, whether internal or external, their leadership that they've been a great steward of that investment. Right? So that
1: brings you directly face to face with the attribution problem, right? Mm-hmm. So how do you close that gap when it comes to, okay, so we've got their attention, um, the reward we're trying to drive, that that incentive, uh, we need to add incentive to the mix there for them to take an action so that we can get some level of attribution. What does that look like if you have, you have sort of consistent strategies you're using there to help the folks that are doing these, you know, out-of-home media
0: buys uh, close that gap? Sure. I mean, the industry has several approaches. We engage in all of them. We use outside third-party sources to track attribution of, all out-of-home campaigns. And there's there's several ways you can do it. You can look at brand lift, you can look at website visits, store visits, cost for acquisition, if you're able to connect to their sales data. All of it's driven by tracking mobile device IDs, seeing device IDs that are exposed to an out of, compa- out of home out-of-home campaign, and tracking what happens after the exposure. You compare that test group to control group, and then you can see comparable lift. So there's, there's a lot of ways to understand and de- demonstrate the effectiveness of the out-of-home investments. Gotcha. That's, uh,
1: the, it starts to get very, very interesting when you get into the analytics for that stuff. Um, you mentioned mm-hmm. control groups and testing and things like that. That immediately st- sticks in my mind that that's going to put it out of the budget for a lot of people. Um, what does the typical engagement look like when it comes to you know your services?
0: For us, you know, we work with regional and national brands for the most part. So, you know, the average spend for clients is going to be a few hundred thousand. Gotcha. Typically, somewhere in there. Uh, many clients spend into the seven figures. For the real local advertisers who are going to spend, you know, five or ten thousand at a time, we may not be the best choice. Uh, they gotcha. may have some other options that they can engage in that will be more efficient for them. So um, now,
1: now I definitely want to have you tell us a little bit more about where folks can learn more about this because I think the space gets super interesting, but uh, getting to where you are, um, maybe uh, you have to do a fair amount of nurture for your prospective clients to help them get to that level. Where would they find more information about PGX and how to get started and maybe um, some of the earlier phase stuff where they're like, oh, they're not ready for you yet, but they might be soon. Um, where would they get information like that?
0: Sure. So they can go to our website, pjxmedia.com and, and learn all about us, follow us on LinkedIn. Uh, in both cases, you'll see what we're up to. Uh, there's also the oaaa.org, O-R-G, which is the industry trade group. There's a lot of learnings there. I think in both cases, it'll give you a good sense of the lay of the land. Um, if you're a smaller local advertiser that just wants to buy one billboard at a time, um, you know you can work with your local billboard companies. Right, and and we have the best success. Uh, once you start investing further and start rising the tide so to speak um, you'll need help and that's where complexity comes in and where our value proposition really makes a difference
1: yeah you have i mean obviously when you go from a local to a larger market you have differentiation you've got to deal with you've got all sorts of you know the attribution problems like we discussed the attention mechanics Um, and i think it really makes a ton of sense to start to get help at the very least in that in that context minimally um, prior to that, you're suggesting that the kinds of services you would provide at a national or large regional level would be best delivered by a local distributor.
0: Is uh, that- it, it really depends. Okay. You know, it's interesting because some of our biggest clients came to us with very, very small budgets. You know, we have several clients spending in seven figures who started out spending ten or twenty thousand dollars. Um, They had the pathway to get there, though. They were on a growth mode as an organization. So maybe they came to us in early startup phase or series A phase, and we were able to grow together. Gotcha. Really depends on the roadmap of the business.
1: So when you're identifying a prospect that would be ideal for you, that may be in that growth phase, what are the hallmarks of somebody who's kind of in the right spot to grow with you?
0: Usually, they have an opportunity to go national on their end. You know, it's some sort of direct to consumer brand or B2B tech brand that has um, a roadmap in front of them that's going to create an opportunity for growth. All right. If it's so they're scalable, uh, they're scalable for sure. They're scalable. uh, They're having success getting funding. Uh, they they they're getting wind at their back, you know. And right when that's starting to happen, we're able to go add to that. Right, give them a presence in the public space. It gives them proof of life or legitimacy, legitimacy, out in the real world. Sometimes that's to help to support their efforts at the brick and mortar phase. Sometimes it's there to help support their online efforts. It could be pre-IPO. There's a variety of of tactics that come into play.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. Rick, this has been awesome. Um, if if as we kind of exit here, I think we've talked about who can reach out to you and how they should. Um, I'd love to know your three biggest sort of learnings in the role that you're in uh, that we can share with our marketing listeners uh, so that they can take that back and and perhaps learn from your experience.
0: <laughs> the biggest learnings. There's so many. I don't know. There's many more than three. Right. Well, uh, well, we'll but start
1: I, with three and we'll we'll record another episode in a couple of months for the rest.
0: I would say this, that uh, that you've got to provide clarity and energy for your teams when you're in a leadership role. And, and constant. So I think whenever you get into any C-level type of role, you become the chief repetition officer as much as anything, because your teams are looking for clarity and purpose, the what and why of where you're going, and they need to keep hearing it.
1: Mm.
0: On the opposite end of that spectrum, or somewhere adjacent in there, is helping your teams understand that the most powerful thing we have to offer, by far our most lethal asset, right, most most useful asset as well, is our undivided attention. So it's not so much all of our tactical capabilities, how well our machine runs, our history, uh, why we're in business. It's not so much all of that. I think in this day and age, we can give people our undivided focus and listen to them. For just five minutes and make it all about them not about us but all about them then we have a a real chance then we have a chance to understand their issues and create value and i think that's what everybody's craving it's just give me somebody's undivided attention so i'll leave it with all
1: right well we get (laughs) that's awesome Rick I want to thank you so much for your time today. This has been great, and uh, I definitely want to hear round two on the uh, the lessons learned we'll uh, We'll reach back out the and see if we get another episode in the books.
0: Thank you. my pleasure very much.
1: Hey.